Hey, I'm Zach, and one day I'm going to make movies, but right now I'm young, dumb, and not nearly as good-looking as my co-hosts. So with the help of... I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. I'm Steven. I'm going to learn what makes a movie great by watching all the classics I've skipped over. So pop the corn and turn your cell phone to silent, because it's time for a new episode of Zach on Film. I'll make you an offer you can't refuse. Download this free podcast and listen to us talk Francis Ford Coppola's The Godfather. This week... On Zach on film. <laughs> Who is this Zachary. guy with the stuff in his mouth mumbling and petting his cat? No way people are going to fill the uh, fill the movie theaters to see this crap. That's basically what one Hollywood in, uh, executive said after the first test screening of The Godfather. <laughs> and it really? went on to become one of the most loved movies of all time. Uh, critically acclaimed. Uh, audience acclaimed. Yeah. You know, it it is the Godfather from what year is this? Chicken Salad 72. 1972. And that's what they said. I mean, um, you know, your opening shot is this man. You come to me on the day of my daughter's wedding. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what is he saying? Voice. I can't understand what he's saying. <laughs> What's with the cat? And it's so dark. Yeah. This isn't how you do stuff. It changed. But it's an awesome. Things. It is an awesome movie. Yeah. I mean, this is before Taxi Driver. Uh, yeah. uh, this is, is it? I thought Taxi Driver was 73. This is oh, 72. 72. Oh, I keep thinking Godfather 2 was in 74. Ignore me. Ignore me! I'll just double check. Yeah, yeah. 76 is Taxi Driver. No, you're Driver, right. So. Um, is wow. it? What was in 73 then? I don't know. We just watched something that was in 73. Well, we watched 74, which was American Graffiti. Mm-hmm. No. And Bonnie and Clyde was in 69. Yes. And it came out in 1968. Hello! <laughs> first time you've seen Do The Godfather, not. Zach? Uh, no. This is the first time I've actually watched The Godfather uh, front to back in completion. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I believe you can throw a dart of the day on a calendar and all the Godfather movies are showing on AMC. Yes. And so I have watched bits and pieces of pretty much everything. But uh, I actually own all three copies because there was like a deal you could yeah, buy yeah, the on, restoration. On yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I actually bought it from Amazon. It's like twelve dollars oh, to okay. get all the Blu-rays and the extra stuff over the holidays. So I actually grabbed that, and uh, now I got to use it for once. Good. And I watched uh, the Godfather front to back for the first time, and it was fantastic. Yeah. What What did you think about this story of uh, the rise of the mafia? Oh, I mean, so so even at my age. I felt like I got done with this is like, this has to be besides star Wars, one of like the most parodied movies mm-hmm. of all oh, time. Absolutely. There's so many scenes in here that I actually thought were from two, but just because I've never really watched all of them full the way through, but there's so many scenes that show up in just all over the place in pop culture. Everything right. is just referential to Godfather. Right. And, uh, it deserves it. Cause this movie is fantastic. It was, it was such a f- fun experience. And if, and we've been on a kind of a kick, of three-hour movies lately, besides yeah. American Graffiti, this and Amadeus, two thousand one, and mm-hmm. something some else. Uh, this one, it's, well, felt it is interesting that it seems like fast. all these movies that are critically acclaimed, right, are long. Long. super long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this one felt fan- like very smooth time-wise mm-hmm. to get to the end. I mean, uh, talking about the, the first scene is the wedding scene, right. kind of, mm-hmm. and that scene is like thirty minutes long. Yeah, it is long, but it doesn't. Right. Feel, it doesn't ever feel like that. It just mm-hmm. it has. Not, it's not 
it doesn't feel fast. It doesn't feel slow. You just kind of go along with this movie and just kind of ride it out. And there's peaks and there's some and there's some peaks and there's some leveling out. But uh, what are what are the, your leveling it? out points? What are some things that are the slow points in the movie? Um, I think the second half when you kick it over to Michael mm-hmm. uh, across the way in, in the land of not America. Yeah, when it when it briefly <laughs> becomes a romantic comedy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and so that scene. Actually, I I have never said this before in a film uh, after I watched it, and I was like, I think there should have been intermission in this movie because it really felt like two movies kind of put together. It is and, right. I mean, it's start, everything yeah. up until Michael leaves until yeah. he is basically um, in hiding in right. Italy, and then there's Michael's return, right. which is you know some time later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're right. It is. It is. It does feel and, like two different movies. Yeah, and it's interesting because they. If you if you look at it that way, they both start with a wedding mm-hmm. essentially, and then mm-hmm. they kind of go on and um and it when I really uh we talking about the story and just the pace of the film uh, when I was watching it, I kind of got to the end. I was like, this kind of felt like a long like classical piece of music, kind of like a performance piece because mm-hmm. especially that the wedding part where you kind of ramp up to Michael uh, shooting drug man and police dude, right. And then go off, yeah. and you kind of get this big escalation to that point, and then you kind of level off. And we talked to Namadeus uh, about how classic music will like do those jolts and like wake the audience up. And so we go through this whole thing with the wedding, and it's just kind of dragging on to a certain extent. And then, and then Sonny dies, mm-hmm. and he just gets mowed down, coming out of almost nowhere. You don't really expect that to come. You think he's going to go kill someone, right? You never see. You think Sonny's really going to yep. die at that point. And then you think, oh, okay, back to the action. And then, boom, wife's dead. Right. Explosion. So you kind of just get this jolted back in like, oh, no, everything's not okay. He's not really safe over here. No one's really safe in this gang uh, warfare in New mm-hmm. York. Well, that's why I think it kind of felt like just this long piece of music. Well, and like music, you have things that repeat, right? You yeah. have little bits of yeah. pieces of songs that come back in, do their little thing and exit out. You have the leitmotif where little themes come in. Mm-hmm. And there are characters that are the leitmotif, you know, if you want to say that. You know that um, – what's the uh, Fredo? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he always is doing the same little shtick so that when you know he comes in, you know, he screwed something up yeah. or, you know, that when Sonny is there, that he's going to go beat the crap out of somebody or like the wedding song. You have these overtures that come back and forth throughout mm-hmm. the piece. And it's interesting that you say the weddings, because in the other two movies, weddings play important roles in, in some of those um, pieces as well. Mm-hmm. So it, it's uh, interesting that, that you mentioned that and compare it to music. That's very fascinating. Well, thank you. I had a uh, somebody wrote in because I knew we were doing The Godfather. Uh, Roop Dog says, I remember reading Mad Magazine's parody of The Godfather way before I ever saw the movie. I did not see the movie until I was 19 years of age and saw the saw it via videotape rental, two cassettes, which I later went on to purchase. I then purchased the DVD, and of course, I now own the Blu-ray of all three films. This is one of my favorite movies of all time, three-plus hours not wasted, especially if one does some historical research to see most of the movie is not based upon fiction. Even Mario Puzo uh, wrote a novel. Uh, well, he wrote the novel, The Godfather. Yeah. Uh, compare Vito Corleone to the Kennedy clan, Joe Kennedy being the uh, the father of that, um, and Johnny Fontaine to Frank Sinatra. Um, that, you know, the sequence where Johnny is like, hey, Godfather, I'm trying to get into Hollywood, and they do the whole thing with the horse mm-hmm, cutting mm-hmm. off the head and the off, off he can't refuse. My understanding is something like that did happen when Frank Sinatra wanted to get Ooh. into the movies. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, this also, this movie also shows the concept of family during the time period where the man makes all of the decisions for the family. Women are only good for uh, producing sons. 
Um, what do you think of that statement? The women? Yeah, the women in this movie. Yeah, I feel like they get pushed to the side a whole lot. I mean, even when uh, the first scene when the guy's coming because the uh, he wants uh, uh, a vengeance or justice for what was done to his daughter. Justice. He, or, no, 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 it wasn't him. It was the big muscle. He comes, he's like rehearsing this thing, and he, he hopes that the first uh, offspring that Corleone's oh, yeah, it'll be a manly child. And then, uh, uh, but it's interesting, that is, they're also very protective Mm-hmm. Of their women, mm-hmm. but they just want them to do what they're supposed to do. But they right. don't let anyone mess with them. They're not. They're not going to let. Yeah, because it's family. Bull- yeah, it's you family, don't mess yeah. with family, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so when yeah. the sister played by uh, Adrian, um, yeah, who I thought she looks like, Talia Shire, yeah. uh, uh, Sarah Silverman. Yeah, yeah I can I, see that. I can yeah. see that. Yeah. Uh, you know, when she's getting yeah, beat up, it's yeah. Sunny that comes to her rescue. It's like, mm-hmm. you don't touch my sister. You don't beat up my sister. You don't do those things to my sister. It's all about family. Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, ultimately this story is about the family, but it is Michael's story. Ye- is yeah. it? Yeah. I, well, mm, it is I because here's, here's the setup of a, you are established with a very powerful family. Mm-hmm. And throughout the first half of the movie, Brando's character is like, no, Michael is not to be involved in any of this. Michael can go off to war. Michael can go all do these things, but he's not to be involved in the family business. And so he is an outsider looking into everything that's going on. He has an understanding of the stuff that my family does is a little bit sensitive and we don't talk about it and yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to go off and be a war hero and I'm going to be the the white sheep of the family. I'm going to be the good child that everyone can respect and, and look up to. Regardless of what my family does. And he loves his family very much. So much so that when his father does get shot, uh, the oranges is kind of an important thematic element in this movie. Mm-hmm. When when uh, Vito is shot, he decides to take action into his own hands. And that starts him down this ru- route or route that his father doesn't want him to get involved in the family business. And he is dragged into the family yeah. business and... Instead of trying to stay out of it, he embraces it until the very end. He becomes that thing that his father did not want him to be. Mm-hmm. He becomes just as bad as his father. Yeah. Well, I mean, and bad as I mean, we're sure, using sure. that as a sure. Yeah. Um, just so I think I think bad is fair to say. Yeah. Bad yeah. Is I not, mean, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, for when I was watching it, because um, it felt feels like the first quarter up till. Uh, the Don's uh, shooting and attempted assassination. Right. That, it felt like it was all his point of view for the story. He was the central focus mm-hmm. of the character of the mm-hmm. story. And then, to me, once he's uh, almost out of the picture, to an extent, he's, I mean, he's featured uh, not very much for the rest of the first half of the film. Right. Um, it felt like there was a power struggle mm-hmm. between who who is going to take over the family and also who's going to be the main character of this film between right. Sonny and Michael. Right. And uh, so everything is through Don's point of view. And then you kind of bounce back more between uh, Sonny and Michael, who's who's the main focus of the scene, or who's uh, just being shown on screen more. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I mean, then, then you kind of take Michael takes over once he does the killing. Right. And then, this, and then I think the movie gets pushed towards him and we follow him in Italy and yada, yada, yada. 
Yeah, see, even then, like, I think that this movie really, really splits its screen time between a lot of characters. Mm -hmm. You see a lot of stuff from the Don's point of view. You see a lot of stuff from Michael's point of view. But you also see a lot of stuff from uh, Tom Hagen's point of view. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, for a while, we're kind of following him. Oh, yeah, because he's the, uh, what's what's the word? The, conci- uh, the con- conciliary. Yes, the lawyer, the Consigli- advice giver. Yeah. Consigliere, that's it. Um, and he is, he, is, he is interesting to me just from a vocal perspective in a movie filled with Fredo and Vito and Enzo. Yeah. Tom. Yeah. Well, it's great because also I mean, most people don't call him Tom. They right. call him Tom Hagen. Right, right. Well, which is interesting because he's adopted, right? I mean, he's adopted in the movie, Mm -hmm. yet they make a point to say, you're adopted. You're not really part of this family. Even though you're in the family business, you're not part of this family. Tom Hagen. You know, just kind of rubbing that in there. How many times have you seen this movie, Rodrigo? Uh, This is probably the first time I've seen it all the way through as well. Oh, okay. Really? And I'm sure, Matthew, you've seen this multiple times, right? Or also all the way. This is my third my third viewing uh, of the Godfather in Toto because of my issues with Francis Ford Coppola. What are, what are your and issues the, with Francis Ford Coppola in this movie? Well, we, we have this discussion with apocalypse. Now I really, really hate apocalypse now. Um, not because it's an ineffective film. This one I hate less, but there's still moments where I just, I feel like there's the easiest way to put it is when you are reading a particular comic book and you're like, okay, this is that, da, 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 this is something that I recognize. This is a good adventure story. And then you get a big thumbprint from the writer going, and here is an issue that I care about as well. This is kind of the opposite for me in that Coppola has this, and I've described it as a smugness about his filming style. And I know that sounds, makes me sound like a lunatic, but there's something about it. And it's, it's here. It's not as much as in apocalypse now, but it is here to where it feels almost like he's showing us these characters in a light where we are supposed to kind of point and laugh at the freaks to me. So I really enjoy big chunks of this film. And I, I, you know, certain moments of it, I think are just amazing, iconic moments. But there are certain scenes. I, for instance, like uh, I like the uh, Harvey Birdman parody of Fredo getting mowed down a lot more than that actual sequence. Something about that just feels wrong, feels off. And I don't know if it's something about just the fact that I go in knowing it's a Francis Ford Coppola joint and maybe that brings my bias to it. Well, you know, I don't know. I mean, I can understand. I mean, certainly we have biases against writers and directors and actors all the time. Mm-hmm. But I think one has to remember that while the director is the equivalent of the conductor of an orchestra mm-hmm. leading everyone through uh, through the work, you know, yeah. the director isn't playing the oboe and may not know how to play an oboe. The director isn't playing the violin. The director isn't playing the 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 timpani slide whistle. There are, yeah, he's playing the Luca Bras. Um, you know, he's and, there making sure that everybody's giving their best performance. You know, when it comes to the look and the style of the Godfather, that's somebody else altogether who just died this week. Yeah, uh, Monday Gordon Willis passed. He was eighty-two. He was the uh, cinematographer for the Godfather, not of other films. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole trilogy of Godfather, all of the President's Men, Annie Hall, Manhattan. He did all those films. And I think he developed, uh, you know, specifically for these movies, a very unique look. Although if, you, if you've if you seen the other two movies, part two and three, 
there yeah. is a little bit of a, a stylistic look change, um, in, especially in yes. two compared to this one. And I don't know if it's because of the fact that this one was done, you know, six or seven years later um, or, or what. But, mm-hmm. you know, Willis uh, did a fantastic job. Yeah. yeah and um, and so, mm-hmm. so, so with his passing, a lot of people were putting tributes to him up on the Internet and uh, doing a lot of interviews. Mm-hmm. He talked uh, – one specific interview I watched was him talking about Godfather and um, how people were kind of – like the way he shuts it is so dark. Mm-hmm. And uh, he played with the color of yellow, which in- ended up influencing the whole period of – everyone comes back to this period, influences the way it looks and just the dark. People said they're like scared to film like him because they don't know if they can handle how dark – how dark this film actually is and people mm-hmm. hated how you can never see uh, uh brando's eyes in scenes yeah, yeah. it was intentional for most of it because you don't want to see uh him reading he, off the cue cards well probably that <laughs> and also because if you can see into someone's eyes you can kind of get a, a gist of what they're yeah, yeah. what they're going to be doing and you can't actually ever get a bead on what the don's going to do mm-hmm. so that was important to him and yeah i i mean i thought this look look at this film was, so you did was, some research on this. I mean, you you followed up on this on the director's cinematography. Yeah, yeah. You did some research into his films. That's mm-hmm. that's always good to do, yeah. especially when it's something that is highly influential. And I think a lot of people say, "Well, this is Francis Ford Coppola designed the look and all this." He may have had some input on it, but really, it's the the director of cinematography is mm-hmm. going to come and say, "Well, here's this look. Yeah. Let's work together on a color palette. Let's throw some ideas out yeah. there." Because again. From a studio exec perspective, seeing this stuff when you're paying a m- lot of money for Brando, mm-hmm. and I don't remember what um, what the uh, what's his name Michael or any of the other any of the other actors Al Pacino Al Pacino, Al Pacino. I don't Pacino. I don't remember what any of them got paid, but Brando was the um, was the highest paid one, and to see him in the dark shadow with his cheeks all puffed out and muffling yeah. and barely whispering and mumbling. And it's just got to be, from an exec standpoint, just going, oh, my God, what have we done? Yeah. <laughs> what have we done? We should have we should have pushed to have Sergio Leone direct this movie. <laughs> and you laugh, but he was the studio's first choice. He was the studio's really? first choice to direct The Godfather. Instead, Sergio Leone was very committed to his own gangster movie called Once Upon a Time in America, which if you've seen that movie, wow, there are a lot of parallels between mm-hmm. – uh, the two stories, which is which is crazy, especially I think Robert De Niro is in uh, Once Upon a Time in America. Um, it's crazy because De Niro then plays the Don in Godfather Part Two, or is it Part Three? I forget. Um, so I it gets it gets really crazy when you know those facts and you know that they're both um, mobster movies and they both share the same actor. A lot of times, if you've seen those movies multiple times, you can get mixed up on which way. Uh, you know mm-hmm. the story's going on that. Um, so yeah, it's good that you, yeah. you did some I of mean, that research. Uh, on that. And so the one that he's talking about, The Godfather, is interesting because uh, I think sometimes people talk about film. Uh, a lot of credit or disdain gets lumped on the director when there's so many other departments that right, get right. lumped in. And uh, Willis in his interview talked about how it wasn't just him that influenced his look, but he had to work with costuming and the set design and everything and how all those people had to come together to get the images that they were able to on this uh on the screen and i saw some lighting breakdowns like the office of the wedding scene mm-hmm. that was like one lamp and an overhead light 
And so that's all the lighting they had, but they were still able to get such a dynamic look from that scene. Yeah, it's yeah, really it cool. Crazy. It's really cool. <laughs> so you actually you've seen the lighting plan for that room? Uh, they they just they showed it in a couple. Of oh, in shots. the in the shots. Yeah. Okay, they said this is what was in the room. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. And yeah. imagine what you can do now with uh, cameras that are able to capture super low oh, gosh, yeah. light uh, capabilities. Yeah. yeah. Why why Rodrigo is this movie so well well regarded? I'm not entirely sure what what the actual answer to that is, but my my guess is um there's a there's a lot of things. Uh one it's it has an unusual narrative structure. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that uh people are drawn in because of it. Um a lot of the time the movies that are very effective are the movies where you don't know what's going to happen next. And in this movie as you watch from scene to scene to scene you don't know what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that we have, you know, questionable through characters, like you don't like the fact that no character is established as, as this is Johnny protagonist mm-hmm. right off the bat <laughs> leads you to, to think that somebody is every, anybody can die. Right. Right. So there's that. Um, the other thing is that it is kind of a very dynamic movie, uh, look wise, you know, you go from weddings to small offices to like tiny, um, like dark restaurants mm-hmm. to out in the streets to the hills of Sicily. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're just kind of it just kind of goes all over the place, and it all fits. You know, um, a, a lot of movies kind of like do that on purpose. Like action movies are like, okay, we're gonna have like a snowmobile fight. And then we're going to be inside an office building, and then the climax takes place in a factory, right? Yeah. Like, they kind of build them that way. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the Godfather kind of seamlessly puts that uh, dynamic, uh, ba- those dynamic backdrops together just out of what is actually happening. Mm-hmm. And lastly, I think uh, there's a lot of Italian-Americans. Yeah. And although this is not the best representation of Italian Americans, <laughs> it is a strong representation of Italian Americans. Yeah, yeah. And I think that um, Americans, and not just Italian Americans, but Americans in general, have like really glamorized the mob and the mob mm-hmm. lifestyle. Well, and I, th- I think that we have a history mm-hmm. as Americans, as a culture, of glamorizing mobsters uh, yeah. you know al capone mm-hmm. uh you look at yeah. uh you know bugsy siegel you bonnie look at and clyde, bonnie and clyde i mean yeah so we glorify <laughs> <laughs> we glorify these guys and so this is kind of that Leo. glorification of the mafia mm-hmm. to an extent yeah. um you know i don't think that they're putting anybody up on a pedestal well but, the ca- I, I mean it shows are, where the conflict is coming from the struggles you know yeah. And, well yeah you're right because they're not saying these guys are the boogeyman they're saying, "Hey, these are people with right. families, and, and there's loyalty." Right. And, and, and here's the thing: who would object? They have this code, right? Mm-hmm. Right. They have this great code. Um, there's like honor and stuff like that. But you think who would object to these guys? Those people don't appear in that movie. Right. It's like yeah. non-crooked cops are not in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like normal people that just get their legs broken. Those yeah. those union guys that are gonna right. get their legs broken. They're mm-hmm. not in the movie. Mm-hmm. All of the women. None of them well, have a voice in the movie except the, for the like four horses. Yes, the, the, horse the horses also don't have does a not get a voice in the movie. Well, but Michael's wife, the one that he's in love with, not the one that dies, mm-hmm. but the one who's basically right. like Michael. I don't want you to get into this life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's lying to her, right. but she knows. I mean, she is a fairly strong character who yeah. is not brought up in this lifestyle. Is not brought yeah. up in this in this group. Um, 
so she comes at it from a very different perspective. Yeah, she does. And of course that plays out in um in later movies because here she's not knowing for sure if Michael has mm-hmm. given up the given up the family business or not and even though that door's closing oh, right at the great, end like, such a great oh, yeah. scene. And she's just kind of sitting there going, oh, I think that this is mm-hmm. – he's not out of the business. No, no, I think it's kind of obvious when someone comes in and kisses your ring. Yeah, Maybe yeah. something weird going on. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, well, in the other movies, she, she spends a lot of time ignoring what's going on until finally she's like, I've had enough. I'm leaving mm-hmm. uh, because of this. So um, you guys haven't seen the other, other no, movies? No, I have not seen two or three. Matthew, no. have you seen the other movies? I've seen big chunks of two. I avoid three. I have this rule: if a if a sequel is more than ten years later, it's probably not as good. Mm. And so i i don't I don't necessarily need to see three because the thing about it is, although it's set up as a trilogy, one is, for all intents and purposes, a complete story. Right. It's like you know, it's like saying you can enjoy Star Wars in its entirety without ever having seen Empire or Jedi. Right. But I think the best part about this film that there's less of in two, and I don't know about three because I can't really speak to it. My favorite parts of this story are minor characters. I I really enjoy every scene with Luca Brasi and the, the, the you know the stuff that he does, and I really really love Duvall in this one. Hated Duvall in the last one. Duvall here is like the the glue that holds this whole mess together for mm-hmm. me. So you know if if I were to go and say. Do, I, do you think I have to watch three to enjoy one, Stephen? No, I think, you know, and, I, and again, I forget because I've seen them so many times right. and they co- cross over. What I, where. I, if I remember correctly, two is the one where it's all flashback, flashback. of the Don growing up, yeah. which I think is a really kind of a cool. It's a cool kind of even though it's even though it's still part of the linear narrative of the story, it tells what happened when how the Don grew up and how he got into this lifestyle and how he made himself a, you know, this all powerful person. And then three gets into the politics of, uh, you know, literally politics and religion uh, get involved in three Two is the one with De Niro as young Vito. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, okay. Uh, so I may have seen more of two than I think. Yeah, you may have. And, and here's the thing. This is the other thing that um, we were talking. I think it was on the major spoilers podcast a couple of weeks ago about mega movies, how now they're trying to shoot, you know, a trilogy all at once so they can lock in the actors and do all this stuff and really tell a movie that you have to see all the way through from start to finish. This is not something that's a mega movie, but if you watch all three of them together, it is a very, I I want to say fulfilling experience in the fact that you really understand what makes every character in the movies tick Mm -hmm. because you know their backstories you understand what's motivating them you understand what's driving them so completely and so i think watching all three of them is really important uh just from that uh, story character perspective there have been edits of these movies where they edit it in a linear fashion Mm -hmm. where they're not doing the jump back and forth through time in the second movie and and everything's just told straight through so you actually start in the middle of Part two at the two. beginning of the movie, and then you work your way through to the end of of, uh, of three, and I that think is a my fascinating grandmother experience. Watched that when I was a kid, well, they had it on. Television. They've had it on AMC. They do this on AMC every once in a while, or TNT, or some some one of those uh, cable channels where they will play it in that order. Mm. Um, but it's rare that it happens. And if you catch it, it's also a very interesting experience. For me, me like watching right these about movies, the same time of Roots, I think it probably. was on TV as like the Godfather saga, maybe. 
uh, I know for me when I watch these movies, it's usually like I'm going out and doing some night time-lapse photography. And so I'm stuck in a car for three hours anyway, three-plus hours anyway. So I've got those movies loaded on my iPad, and I'll just sit there in the car and watch those movies while, you know, the camera's doing its job. So um, I've seen these movies a couple of times. I didn't watch it just prior to this recording because, again, last time I saw it was less than a year ago. Yeah. Um, But this is, I mean – this is good times, and it's actually yeah, – I mean, not good times because people are dying. Well, <laughs> you know. But I mean from the storytelling perspective, the acting, the uh, directing, the cinematography, lighting, everything is just really top-notch. And it's painting it against the backdrop of what's going on historically. You know, right. we see the fall of Cuba happen, not in this movie, but we see the fall of Cuba happening in the movies at the same time as this is what was really going on. We get to see uh, in this movie specifically um, Vegas being – built up um with mo green mm-hmm. um we get to see all that play out here so it's it's real fascinating to see how they take fiction and intertwine it with right, right. historical a, moments and events. a time a time in which narcotics in the united states were not an issue <laughs> no yeah well it depends you know because that that's kind of a big thing no children and what is it no uh no drugs just just uh boozing money money and laundering. gambling and yeah. gambling, gambling. Yep. yep 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 what uh we got some. We got some people to thank oh, out yeah. this week. Uh, let's uh, let's give a little shout out to our associate producers this week, really quick. And those would be Julia Hess, Amber Dinette, Alexander Dyson, Ethan Guberman, Ryan Walker, Josh Payne, Christopher Matthias, Daniel Auger, Robert Laville, Laville, hmm, Scott Maeda, Marco Selmo, Mike Krug, Daniel Eviason, William Young, Stephanie S. Jeffrey Holmes, Lindsay Heldebrand, and Rui Alameda. Thank you one and all for donating to Major Spoilers and keeping us going week after week. We thank you, our associate producers. So what do you, what do you take away from this, Zach? Um, yeah. Uh, you know, as we talked about the whole like structure of the kind of the story and the highs and lows, and this is one of those movies, I never really thought about this after watching it, but uh, it made me want to have the original script and kind of follow it along and read it while it's happening to see how much of the flow of the story is just the writing and how much of it really came together in the edit. Because uh, that's never really clear all the time of uh, how much of this was just the straight up writing of the story and it hit all the beats and the editing and how it kind of just worked its way together. And so just the the building of story, I thought, was an interesting takeaway. And then uh, uh, Willis's cinematography was just crazy. And then some of the interviews I saw, some of the scenes for uh, 2 and 3, and just how he used that dark again to highlight the kind of the darkness in each side of the mm-hmm, characters when they're mm-hmm, doing these things, mm-hmm. uh, was just interesting and how... Even back then, uh, on thirty millimeter, what they were shooting on how they could get such a clean image. Oh yeah, in that dark. In the dark, I mean, uh, and these are restoration things we're looking at, so not the original uh, showings, but still, uh, just really super clean, super pretty images. So what's with all the oranges? Uh, people die when they eat oranges, I guess, or they like oranges. Oranges are as a harbinger of death. Yeah, harbingers of death. Every time we see it, someone's right. going to die Man, in that, bad. which is, I think, kind of an interesting choice in, in this. Um, 
I, I don't know. It's a, I mean, it's, it's a symbolic uh, issue. It's not like, you know, you give somebody an orange and that's symbolic that I'm going to, you know, that means that I'm <laughs> right. It's die. not like you're going to horse's kill. head in the bed. Yeah, but I mean, it's very, fi- it's very interesting in a, that, in a suit. Yeah. that the orange pops up literally every time someone's about to to die or does get died. I mean, we see the Don walking through the streets and he's got the bag of oranges and then he gets gunned down. And mm-hmm. then at the end of the movie, when he does die, uh-huh. you know, he's playing around with the oranges in the mouth and mm-hmm. kicks off. And uh, there's other times in the movie where it, where it pops up. So you might want to go look and see uh, the meaning of the oranges in the Godfather's act. Yep. <laughs> okay. Now, he doesn't get killed, but he buys oranges right before he gets shot. Yeah, yeah. that's what, yeah. I, that's what I said. We're, yeah. we're supposed to be led to believe that he's going to die. Are yeah. they? People hope oh, he's dead. Oh, you think, man. Yeah, because it turns out he didn't buy an orange. He, he bought, bought a tangerine. tangerine. <laughs> they were grapefruit. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So that's the, that's the that misleads you right there. It's a tangelo. We don't yeah. even know what that is. Oh, they're the best. Uh Tangelo, you just pop off the little top and go to town. Don't like throw it. Oh. Throw it into a foxhole. <laughs> Count three, throw it, run away. I, One potato. You know, this potato. is a movie that you can really go deep in, and we could spend literally hours talking about this. Yeah. But I think the fact that you get exposed to this movie is more important than trying to – I mean, and I think you pick it up on yeah. – I mean, you actually did some research on Willis because he just recently died, and that's mm-hmm. kind of maybe – Something uh, this was not planned to do the Godfather no. this week. I watched it on Sunday, and then Monday morning they announced. Oh, it so Zach watches a film and yeah, somebody yeah. important dies. What? I'm sorry, know. Willis family. Um. Well, for God's sake, don't watch the monkeys movie. There's only three of them. <laughs> you know, I think it is important that you, that you watch this movie just so you can experience that and yeah. really see what kind of story they're telling, and, and show that you can take unpleasant characters. And weave a compelling story around them. Mm-hmm. And I think we see that a lot and more. Also, I, I think we see that a lot more where we take an, uh, an anti-hero and we, um, we glorify them even though they really shouldn't be people that we you know, like. There's, there's, it's crazy, but uh, you do – I mean you always have like the point of view of the Corleone family. So you kind of end up rooting for them. Uh, even though yeah. they're just as bad as everyone mm-hmm. else, you know yeah. the Don, like, he kind of sets himself up as some as an honorable guy, but he's still like breaking legs and killing people. Mm-hmm. Um, I like at, at the the scene where Michael shoots the those two guys and he starts walking out. Like I like out loud, I literally said, "Drop the gun! Drop, drop the, the gun, gun right yeah, away! Yeah. You're supposed to drop the gun right <laughs> yeah, away because yeah, yeah. he doesn't." Yeah. And I was like, "Why am I rooting for this guy?" <laughs> right, right. But yeah, you, you are. You kind of get into you it. Do, yeah. You do want him out, but then yeah. you realize at the end that he is the most manipulative of everyone oh, yeah. in that family. The way that at the baptism scene, where oh, he's gosh. basically lying to God and to everyone, right. saying, "Do you reject evil?" And we cut to the shot of him just murdering all the bosses. And, and really, the most I think the most telling thing about that character. Is that he just up and marries a girl? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, wh- without yeah. ever telling his girlfriend, and then mm-hmm. when that when yeah. that chick dies, he just comes right back. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And he does it without any family blessing or mm-hmm. anything, yeah, which no, would be just nothing. like a huge no-no yeah. at that uh, at that time <laughs> it, period. It was interesting when they talk about doing that first hit on on the police commissioner and the guy. It's like, oh, you have to go away for a year. I'm like, oh man, he'll be away from his family for a year. That's that's too bad, man. Yeah. Oh wait. Shoot some guys in the head. He just yeah. killed a guy. Like I said, a year is better than you know, like lifetime in jail. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what they're trying to do. Protect yeah. them. So, does this make you? Does this make you more sympathetic to the to the mobster character uh, to the mobsters in general, Zach? Do you think? No. What? No. I. 
Go ahead. I think it does. Um, to me, you think it makes it more, me more no, sympathetic? No, I mean, this movie does do that. It makes mobsters very sympathetic. Or at least this family very sympathetic. I mean, look at a movie well, like I mean, Scarface. You could argue Scarface does the same thing. Here's a guy that is a horrible, horrible person. You haven't seen Scarface. No. Um, but it glorifies the gangster. Sure. Makes them somewhat sympathetic. Yeah. And okay. makes them more popular in culture. Uh, sure. I'll take popular. But more sympathetic would mean uh, you have no way to differentiate between what is fiction and what is real. It's like you don't, you don't watch, uh, I don't know, a documentary in the life of Hitler. And would you say, uh, oh. The Discovery I'm, Channel would argue against that. Well, I mean. Uh, <laughs> I'm not saying that well, it makes Hitler. Uh, no, uh, no, I'm saying, but I mean. Sympathetic, but people sporting. still love to watch documentaries about Hitler. They love to watch movies and documentaries yeah. about mobsters and gangsters and these people that it's like, ooh, there's the bad boy. Yeah, but, and ooh, it, look how cute Al Pacino is. Yeah, and, but do you think a fascination on a subject uh, that is dark as that creates sympathy? To something that uh, could generally be, well, uh, by the public conscious, uh, construed as negative? I think so. I think there's a... I, you know, we uh, sat down and watched this movie, and you're analyzing it, and we're looking at a lot of different parts. A lot of people don't do that. They'll eh, just sit sure, down, and they'll sure, watch the movie. Sure. And yeah, the majority of the people end up gone down, but when they walk out of that theater, what they're thinking is, man, that was cool with all the guns, and like... Yeah, you know, all that stuff. Sure. Um, a lot of, a lot of people really do glamorize the mm -hmm. mob and, mm -hmm. uh, you can see yeah. that because, um, non Cosa Nostra criminal elements <laughs> will pick up stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. if not from the tactics of the mob themselves and from literally just from mob movies, yeah, yeah, yeah. they'll start adopting movie. some of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's because the mob is intimidating and the mob is cool. Right. So there is, you know, a certain... A portion of the population that I think does watch The Godfather and say, "Well, those guys are like honorable criminals, and that's how and we have a code, right, and that's what that's what their hero criminal is about." Sticking it to the men, yeah, exactly. They're they're the equivalent of the Dukes of Hazard in that they are doing criminal things, but they're doing criminal things to what I believe some of the audience believes to be positive ends. If mm -hmm. I mean, if you really want to say, does this movie create a more sympathetic uh, aspect of the mafia? Ask yourself this. Do you ever watch Animaniacs? Yes. No. Remember yes, the Good Feathers? Yes, the Good Feathers. Cartoon pigeons who are basically riffing on this movie, although probably well, Goodfellas God, as well. Yeah, and a couple of others. Well, yeah. I mean, the God Pigeon is in that cartoon, and it's cute, fuzzy cartoon animals doing the stuff Animaniacs, that is though, in this movie. I mean, my, I, my, only, my only argument against that is that Animaniacs was off- the rails. Yeah. It really was. With the there's a there's an Animaniacs riff on Apocalypse Now. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's insane. Yeah. Have you ever watched Animaniacs? No. But if you have, no, oh my god! If you've never seen the Animaniacs, Zach, go and I watch them because it is probably one of the most brilliant animated shows. Yeah. I mean, it's basically it's old school Warner Brothers cartoons, the mm -hmm. old Looney, the real Looney Tunes stuff. Brought forward into the 90s yep. and doing everything but hitting you over and, the head and with frying And basically dragging everything else, yes. every other pop culture reference <laughs> with along it. for the ride. They do a whole episode that is nothing but um, uh, Les Mis. Um, 
it's it's that story. It's all it's uh, it's all singing. It's yep. it's so wonderfully well done, and it places all the characters throughout the movie or oh, throughout the piece in, in a. In it's a, it's crazy going back and watching it now from when I watched it as a kid. There are so many references that I did not get. And so much adult humor in that too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, hello, nurse. And it's fascinating to watch this and look at all of the pop culture references to it, and remember, oh crap, they were referencing this in Shark's Tale. You know, you, you're going yeah. and saying this is this movie is so pervasive in pop culture. You cannot swing a cat without something, you know, somebody saying, leave the gun, take the cannoli. The, you the, cannot go anywhere without something. The, the thing that I find so crazy is like I know that Corleone is not necessarily like um, a, a, an unpopular name. Like it's, it's right, a right. relatively mm-hmm. common name. But there are so many like pizza places and stuff called like Vito Corleone and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I was like, I mean that that goes to show right there is like right. people want that association with this movie, right? Knowing yes. this movie, I don't know that I would want to go to a pizza place called Vito Corleone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's what I'm you saying. Don't know it what's kind in of that. glamorizes the mob and yeah. makes it makes them sympathetic to it in a sense. So just being the protagonist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you haven't watched Scarface, Zach, well, okay, so three movies you should is it watch. on the list. No, it's not. Um, I mean, we could put it on the list. It's 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 very well done and tells a gangster story, not from because a lot of the mobster movies that we see are all New York based, right? New York, mm-hmm. Chicago based. We look at Untouchables as Chicago yep. based. We look at um, The Godfather. It's all New York based. Uh, we look at um, um, Goodfellas, New, New York, New Jersey. We look at Once Upon a Time in America, which is all Brooklyn. Uh, and then we look at a movie like Scarface, which is all Miami, Miami yeah. and um, it, it's still a gangster tale, just a different location. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't seen that, I mean, it, it's worth checking out because it is a as long- it's a different way of approaching a gangster movie than having to have it set in New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as long as you're willing to accept Pacino as Cuban, yeah, which right. is probably the hardest part of that yes. movie. Well, so many things are so uh, hard to take in on that yeah. movie. I, you know, uh, yeah, a, but Pacino's a better movie no for us to Cuban watch, which I, I do have. think – a better movie on the list, which I do think we should um, – I think – no, Dog Day Afternoon is not on this list. I thought it was. Um, oh, that's another good one. Yeah. Also features like, like half of the cast yeah, of the Dog cast Day of Afternoon <laughs> is in – yeah. The Godfather. Yeah. And that is a scribbled up piece of paper. It is because I've been scratching things is, off the list as we've been going that through is it. Fantastic. So, um, yeah. The list does exist, folks. We have visual confirmation. Oh, yeah. Oh, the list has been here since oh, yeah. episode one. If I would actually keep my papers from classes and stuff, I could have, you know, had it. Yeah. The whole time. <laughs> um, but I, I do think you should probably watch Scarface. I think mm-hmm. you should watch Goodfellas if you haven't seen that. Uh, because there's – you haven't seen Con- Goodfellas? Dude, what do you think this podcast is about? I haven't watched movies. He hasn't seen anything. <laughs> um, so You should watch Harvey Birdman, which has a really great parody okay, with so uh, have Judge you ever Mike watched, getting gunned down. Have you ever watched uh, Swingers? No. The John Favreau movie? No. Okay. God damn it. Sorry. <laughs> All right. So here's, what, you, here's what you're going to do. Okay. Let me know. Lay it on me. Okay. You're going to watch – you're going to go watch um, – you don't really need to see parts two and three. Matthew's right. This is a good standalone movie. It tells you everything that you want to need to know. If you want to go and find out, you know, how Darth Vader is Luke's father, you can watch all the rest of that movie. Sure, but sure. you don't need to see <laughs> anything else besides Star Wars. Is you don't it, need to see anything else besides Godfather. Yeah, but sure. you do need to go see Goodfellas, which is Martin Scorsese. You need to watch Scarface. Mm. You need to watch Swingers. 
Yeah, that's a, yeah. probably a good comedy, independent comedy to have on this you list. You probably should watch uh, Once Upon a Time in America. And you should watch Once Upon a Time in America. Those are four movies that you really need to see to get a good grasp of how gangster films are done. That's yeah. And uh, Swinger's not for gangster films, but they, they make so oh, uh, many references and Jersey to... Jersey Boys. <laughs> Jersey Boys, because you need Boys, some good yeah. music. Um, yeah. But and, Swingers uh, makes a lot of references to mob movies and the um, shooting style of Tarantino and Scorsese and, and Coppola um, that you have to watch that because there's a scene in Swingers that mimics Goodfellas exactly. Hmm. I think you'd enjoy Goodfellas. If you enjoyed Godfather, I think you'd enjoy Goodfellas. Maybe not so much Scarface. Um, Once Upon a Time in America is just really, really long. But so isn't it Sergio Leone? Sergio Leone. Yeah, you know, we've seen so him. it's going to be like yeah. five hours. Yeah, and it's yeah. probably that. Main it's, character it's is about named four Noodles, hours. I think it's about four yeah, hours. Right. Yeah, let's check the runtime on that, Matthew. I'm pretty sure it's four hours long. That's like, uh, that's what's like a quarter time in America? Lawrence of Arabia. 229 yeah. minutes. So what is that? Jeez. Yeah. It's four almost hours. four hours. Three hours and 50. Yeah, so almost four hours. It, it's so a good movie. Gracious. I mean, it's it's really good, that's especially with the way it ends. It really And you can weird. break it up in chunks because it, it travels yes, it through chapters. several decades. Yeah. Yeah, you can go. Plus, 20s. 50s, 70s. There's actually there's a the movie. There's a comedy Noodles. movie, kind of like a Leslie Nielsen type movie, named called Mafia, mm-hmm. which is really stupid, but also really synthesizes basically all of these movies Wait, really that, well, plus a bunch of other stuff. God dang it! Is it like a giant like parody movie? Yes. It is. It mm-hmm. is. Okay, and I, like, is it when he like yeah, comes over brother. to America in like a donkey's butt or whatever? Maybe. I think I've seen this. I know there's a there's a so thing on it. Oh yeah, there's totally. a there's a thing that where uh, he's in like Italy and he's got some flowers for a girl and some guys start chasing him. Yes, and she, he runs away and the girl's <laughs> like, "Run, florist, <laughs> yeah, yeah, run!" Yeah. Okay, yeah, I know. I've totally seen that. We yeah, watched well, that in high school. And and parody is that ultimate um, devolution oh, of the of the of the genre right. or evolution right. of the genre. Either way, I guess um, all genres ultimately yeah. end in parody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, including the parody genre, which was, you know, n- oh God, not another parody p- yeah. film. Mm. Um, yeah. So yeah, m- Mafia, Mafia would probably be. No, no, I've seen that. Don't worry. Okay. All right. Nailed, nailed that down in high school. Those are four movies. Those are, I've given you four movies that you need to add to your list of, of right. movies that you have to watch sometime within the next three months. Oh, okay. Plus, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, but, but like Nightmare Before Christmas is on top of those. <laughs> well, I already have, uh, yeah. The the French New Wave stuff mm. queued up on iTunes. Oh, the uh, I have like, 400 Blows? Or, yeah, 400 Blows God, and I Breathless. Cannot, I, breathless, I still can't get through. Breathless. Really? It is so different than anything that you will experience. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen Un Chien Andalou? Um, yes. Remember he did the whole uh, bonus uh, yeah. Zach on film yeah, 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 that's right. Right. where he recorded yeah. his reaction to watching it. Now you need it. to watch that backwards, subtitled in Sanskrit. No, that sounds. And weird. I think you see God or something. Yeah, yeah. No, so I got, I got a, I got a list. I'm, I'm compiling on I'm, iTunes. I'm sure people are going to go over to the podcast posting page and they're going to share mm-hmm. some other awesome, yeah, mafia related movies that you should watch. Untouchables is somewhat a mafia movie, but you're looking at it from Elliot Ness's point of view oh, uh, yeah, and how he brings down Capone. But uh, uh, still, some great acting in that and some great cinematography as well. Oh, look at that. Um. But yeah, I think people will go over there and say, here are some other gangster movies you absolutely must watch. That would be great if they would do that. What's that movie about Dillinger? Dillinger? 
Is that the name of the movie? I don't know. Is it the Warren Beatty one? Um, I thought there was like a new one with maybe Johnny Depp. Huh? Huh? I don't know what you're talking about, man. Well, Stephen will look that up, and he'll find it out. He'll tell Matthew, but that's going to be the end of this episode. Just like Stephen said, head over to MajorSpoilers.com. Give us your ideas on more gangster movies that I should watch on the podcast posting page or any other thoughts you had about this episode and The Godfather. While you're at Major Spoilers, click on that Amazon.com link where you can buy any of your favorite gangster movies. And uh, not going to cost you any extra, but a little bit will come back to us to help us go week after week to bring all of this great content to you so that's it for this week next week we will be talking rocky on zach on film